everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the latest and greatest news topics of the week. Bayern Munich, of course, is on international break, and you would think that there would not be a lot going on with the club, but Bayern Munich is a magnet for attention right now. As always, there is a lot going on. You have all of the Bayern Munich news, everything going on with who Thomas Tuchel wants, how that affects the current roster, plus everything going on with Germany and for Hansi Flick and his German squad, there certainly is a big focus on them as well. So we will hit on all of that. So many great topics this week and literally trying to cut down the list to figure out what to discuss has become quite a chore in and of itself. But we did that and we got it down to just a few. So let's get going with it. First off, when you're looking at the current status of things in this international break, the first thing you want to do is look at where Bayern Munich stands. Obviously, through three games, they have three wins. That is a great thing. It is a positive thing. When you want to analyze how they've been playing, that gets a little bit more complex. The attack has been good. They have been scoring, but it has not been fluid. It has not featured Harry Kane as much as many people, including myself, would like. And if you listen to the flagship show earlier this week, I hit on some of the reasons why Kane has not been as involved, I think, as many would like. And it's not his scoring that's a problem. When he's getting opportunities, he is converting them. Uh, it just has been overall involvement. And I thought in talking on the flagship show that the play of the wings has really come into that. Uh, Kingsley Coman, Leroy Sané, Serge Gnabry, uh, they have not been able to figure out how to function with Kane yet. As I stated on that show, I do think the situation will get better. I think Kane's production will go even higher. Uh, one thing that I am looking at, one thing that I want to see how it develops is the use of the 10 in the attack. Jamal Musiala was playing there before he got hurt. Then we did see a little bit of a hybrid system there with Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry kind of both manning it at different times. And then we saw the old reliable Thomas Muller brought back in. I still think there's a lot of potential for a Muller-Kane combination, but I don't know if Muller's going to get that opportunity too much. Uh, Musiala, of course, we'll hit on him in a little bit, but he is battling his way back from a couple of ailments. And you have so much depth and talent at wing. Thomas Tuchel could always be tempted to use a faster option than Thomas Muller uh, to see if he can create some disruption with speed. But I think overall, you look at the attack and it's been decent, not great, but the potential is there to be excellent. I think the midfield has been terrific. Yashua uh, Kimmich and Leon Goretzka have both been very, very good. Goretzka is on a uh, bit of a redemption campaign here. He has been dragged through social media. There are large segments of the Bayern Munich fan base that really want him out. And I don't get that. And, and listen, I'm not going to insult anybody. And I would hope no one insults my opinion on it. I don't think Goretzka has been bad in his career at Bayern Munich. Uh, was he as good as he wanted to be or as fans wanted him to be last toward the end of last season? No. I think if you asked him, he would say he needs to be better. Uh, Thomas Tuchel certainly wanted him to be better. I still don't think Tuchel is a big fan of Goretzka, but you, it, it is very hard to argue with the results and how the performances played out for Kimmich and Goretzka. I think they both have been great. When you throw in Conrad Limer as that third option in the midfield, I think it's a very, very strong midfield group. It's a little shallow, yes, 
They they do seem to need one more player there. But I think a lot of people forget that Rafael Guerrero is a player who could fill into that role, that Jamal Musiala is also capable of sliding back. I am okay with where things stand in the midfield. I don't see the need to go out and get a number six in January, but we will hit on that in a little bit because it sure sure does look like that's going to happen. Defensively, it's a little bit odd. I think Alfonso Davies is off to his strongest start in quite some time. Uh, I had been a critic of Davies over the last couple of years. I don't think he's played up to his potential uh, the past two seasons, but so far so good for this campaign. The Canadian has been great. Usarma's rally has been a little bit up and down. I think his actual performance has been okay. He is a little bit reckless. I love the attitude that he has, but uh, there is definitely some parts to his game that are a little bit swashbuckling, I guess you could say. Uh, He plays very aggressively, takes a lot of chances. I'm interested to see how this develops over the course of the season with Davies and Mizrahi both bombing forward. I do think that the balance that Benjamin Pavard brought to the table and his willingness to sit back a little bit did help the center backs. We'll see if Mizrahi and Davies, if, if that turns into a problem at any point, at one point or another, there will be an opponent that figures out they're going to be able to quickly strike on the counter and take advantage of just two players being back and those two players being center backs. So we'll see how it develops, but I do like what I've seen as far as those center backs go. Uh, Daya Upamakano, Kim Min-Jay, Matthijs De Ligt. I think overall they've been very, very good. Uh, you know, I'm still a big fan of Tuchel rotating the three center backs. I think that will keep them the most healthy, but he has uh, seemed like, well, not seemed like, he has indicated through some of his quotes that he wants to find a top two and stick with it. I think that's going to be very difficult given some of the personalities involved especially because center back is such a a physical and demanding position to be able to just rely on two players to play at a high level, especially when you start to hit English weeks. I I don't think it's a very feasible solution. I would like a steady rotation, a consistent rotation, Uh, unless someone is scorching hot and just can't be taken off, which at center back, it's, it's very difficult to classify scorching hot, but Uh, I would like to see them all rotated. I do believe it would help the overall health and fitness of the three players. Of course, Kim and Jay has been said to be dealing with some fitness issues. Uh, The Serie A Serie A plague, I guess you could call it. Uh, Any player coming out of there seems to be dealing with that. So uh, overall, though, great effort so far with the center backs. I think they've done exactly what they needed to do. Goalkeeper Sven Ulreich has been very, very good. Uh, It's tough to really argue. He hasn't been tested all that much in the first three Bundesliga games, but uh, I think he's held strong. He's shown that he's capable of being a solid backup. And I think a lot of people knew that, but there's always this yearning for the next big thing. And Daniel Peretz is hopefully uh, a player that could help get to that point where he could be considered the next big thing that will, who will succeed Manuel Neuer. But for now, Ulrich is the guy. And I think he's done quite a good job. So where things stand with this team right now is I think as a fan, you have to be pretty happy that they're undefeated. You have to be pretty happy with the performance and how the results have played out. But you also have to note that there is significant room for improvement. There are some things that could potentially be dangerous down the road, not the least of which is the squad depth. And I think that under Tuchel, if he can avoid some of these personality conflicts, which he seems to be like literally like a mosquito drawn to one of those to a light really 
he can't seem to avoid them. And it's so very, very tough because you want to see him succeed and you think that he can do a good job because tactically he's got a good mind for things. Strategically, I think he does a pretty good job preparing the team. But that connection with the players, I don't think it's there. And I don't think he's necessarily doing himself any favors because he's not aligning himself with some of the more important players in the locker room. And and I do think that that will end up biting him at some point, but either way through three games so far, so good. Bayern Munich looks great. They have a big test on their way back and we'll talk a lot about that next week, but Bayer Leverkusen awaits and that should be a good uh, little battle there. And Xavi Alonso is uh, certainly someone who's familiar with Bayern and the mystique surrounding Bayern. And he will have his boys over at Leverkusen ready. Uh, Now, we touched on this briefly, and this has been something that is now become a consistent and persistent story, and that is Thomas Tuchel's desire to bring in a new number six. Specifically, Tuchel wants to go out and get Fulham's Jal Polina, who was very closely linked to Bayern Munich during the summer transfer window. In fact, he was in Bavaria. He was getting his medical done, doing all of the photo shoots, and then the the move failed because Fulham could not find a replacement. It does seem now that despite the fact that some of the other members of the transfer committee did not want to go out and get a six, that Tuchel will now get his way. The transfer committee has been dissolved. Christoph Freund is the new sporting director, and he is – reportedly behind a move to go out and get Jopalina. And I don't know if that is because he wants to appease Tuchel, if it's something he genuinely believes the club needs, or if it's strictly a depth thing. We don't know where Christoph Freund falls on that. But right now we can see that things, at least through the latest report from Kerry Howell, that it does look like Bayern is going to make that pursuit in January. And they were going to strongly pursue Paulina and probably bring him in if Fulham will let him go. Uh, it just looks and feels like that move is going to get done. It also, through Kerry Howell's report, indicated that Byron will be going out and bringing in a defender during the January transfer window. So two new players are expected to come in. With Paulina, I think there are a couple ways to look at it. The case for Paulina is that There are only three true midfielders on the roster right now. A fourth would really solidify that group and provide the necessary depth that you might need. Also, a player of Paulina's profile is not currently on the roster, someone who is strictly defensive-minded, someone who's going to be more of a holding midfielder and not as willing to push and bomb forward as much as, say, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka are. It would certainly provide the team with a new look and new functionality, it would remain to be seen how that all works. But the case for Paulinho is that he does, he would provide depth. He would provide that different option. And he would be that defensive presence that you could argue Yeshua Kimmich has not been. You could also argue Kimmich can aptly fulfill that role if he wants to and when he wants to. Uh, but either way, Paulinho certainly would have his backers. There are big segments of the Bayern Munich fan base that want the club to go out and get him. So, Certainly, the case for him is strong. But there is also a case against him. And this is where I think Tuchel and his lack of communication, his lack of relationship building is going to perhaps hinder this move. I don't know if it's worth it. And and listen, some of you are going to take this absolutely the wrong way, but I'm going to say it anyway. And 
we'll deal with the fallout later, but some of you are, are not going to like this. There is a risk associated with this move in that Yashua Kimmich is a player who is really wanted on the market. We saw this summer that Real Madrid, FC Barcelona, Manchester City, and Liverpool all are very, very interested in Kimmich. And if you believe the reports from over the summer, Kimmich was also intrigued by each of those options as far as a potential move. Do you really want to go out in the January transfer window and piss Kimmich off? Because this move to get a new six would certainly not make him happy. And a lot of people will say, well, competition is good. Why should you, why should you bow down to what Kimmich wants? Well, there is the potential of fallout in that Kimmich could leave. And I don't know that Paulinia is worth that kind of fallout. And here's why I say that Kimmich undoubtedly can go out and secure any deal he wants. He is that well thought of, and he could play whatever position he wants at most clubs. Certainly there are a lot of coaches who could find ways to use him. With the acquisition of Polina, something that Kimmich has flat out said, he doesn't see the, the, the need for a number six, that he is the number six. It creates a lot of tension. You have Kimmich and you know him thinking about his future and what he wants to do. You have Goretzka, who would be sent to the bench, assuming that Kimmich would play the eight. And you have Conrad Limer, who would go from being a summer acquisition expected to start, which I never expected him to start, but Thomas Tuchel did everything to give him that opportunity until flatly he lost the job to Goretzka. You have him buried now as the third, probably fourth option in the midfield. And the saving grace for Limer is that, oh, wow, great. He gets to back up Nusar rally should he get in yellow card trouble. It's not an ideal situation from a morale standpoint in the central midfield. And a lot of you will say, who cares? It's not about how those players feel. It's not about what Yoshua Kimmich wants. And certainly I, I do get that. And I understand that completely. But I think it is a massive risk to take to alienate those players. Uh, Goretzka, for one, has no reason to stick around if he's a bench player because he can clearly go out and start somewhere else. Yashua Kimmich, it's a matter of preference. He wants to be the number six. He thinks he is the number six. He is highly regarded within the club. He's highly regarded outside the club. He has been deemed the future captain. Is this a battle that Thomas Tuchel and the new brass want to take on at this stage? I don't know if it is. I don't know if Pauline is going to come in and change the game. He could come in and not start at all. He could just be a depth player. But either way, the perception here is that Tuchel wants Paulina to play the six. He does not want Kimmich. Now, some of the recent quotes we've seen from, from Tuchel are not, listen, these aren't quotes, I should say. This is a report from Kerry Howe saying that Kimmich doesn't have a problem with any of his midfielders, which, or I'm sorry, Tuchel doesn't have a problem with any of the midfielders, which I don't believe at all. I, I do believe he does not like Goretzka. I believe he did not want Limer. Limer was thrust upon him because he was a move that got done under Julian Nagelsmann. And I think he likes Kimmich, but he wants Kimmich to be the eight, which the report pretty much indicates that Tuchel says he sees Kimmich, Goretzka, and Limer all as number eights and not necessarily as number six. This is not going to fly well with Kimmich certainly is not going to make Goretzka or Limer feel any more sure about their situations moving forward at the club. So 
Paulina, you can talk about all of the great attributes. And certainly we talked about the case for getting him, but there is that case against him in that. I do think it will cause some locker room turmoil. I think Kimmich knowing Kimmich is not going to handle the situation. Well, regardless of what you feel about Kimmich and how you think he would react to this, he is a person who runs hot all the time. He is a person who take things. He takes, he takes things personally. I mean, he just does. There is an internal fire within him that, that is driven off of slights and what he perceives as slights. And this certainly would be perceived that way. Now, you can say, well, that's great. That will chat. He'll be able to channel that and, and make his performances even better on the field. I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case because he could also see this as the club, frankly, choosing someone over him, even though he would retain a starting role. It's flat out saying you're not good enough to play this position. And you can say he needs to be a professional and handle that. And you can say he should just be happy. He's still in the starting 11 at that point, but you aren't him. You're not processing the situation the same way. And I'm not him. I'm just saying there is the potential for that to all go awry and that Kimmich could absolutely be offended, be pissed, and certainly look to leave next summer. So the good side and the bad side of the Polina move, where do you stand on it? How do you feel about it? Drop it in the comments of the post for this or hit me on social media because I would love to know because I, I absolutely see why the club would want to get someone like Paulinha. But I also see how things might totally unravel if they do. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're going to address those bizarre transfer rumors regarding Bayern Munich and Jaden Sancho, which those came out of nowhere. Uh, we're going to take a look at Germany and what we hope will happen over the course of the next couple of games, which hopefully is wins because they need them. And we will talk briefly about Jamal Musiala's injury because that seems to be spiraling and uh, maybe getting a little bit worse. So we'll be right back. Hang with us. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith. I'm giving you the weekend warm up. Uh, as I indicated in our first segment, we are going to touch on a couple of things and we'll get right into it with Bayern Munich being linked to Jade and Sancho. Who would have thought? Now, again, let's just quantify this. The report came out of Spain from Fijajes and let's just examine it. So, Jaden Sancho is odd man out at Manchester United, very disgruntled and unhappy. The club doesn't seem to want him. He's got a massive salary. It seems like they would just be willing to cut ties with him and let him go if he would rip up the contract, which for him is kind of dumb because he's getting paid a lot. So why would you want to do that? But the Spanish outlet has reported that Bayern Munich is interested and has even been in contact with Manchester United about Sancho all summer, which I don't know if I believe that. It's certainly possible. Bayern does only have three real wings on their team or three. I don't know how you want to categorize them, but Kingsley, Coman, Serge Gnabry, and Leroy Sané are the wings. You could also, again, argue Matisse Tell can play out there. Jamal Musiala can play out there. There are certainly options if Bayern needed to play other people out there. But those are the three primary wings. And Bayern has really, in recent memory, not went into a season with just three defined wingers. So 
bringing in Sancho would make sense. It would fill a need. Uh, I don't think Bayern Munich would want to pay his salary. I think there would have to be some work done there. I, I don't think that Manchester United would be really willing to cut Bayern Munich any breaks, to be honest with you. I think that they would want to get some money for Sancho. So I don't think it would be a situation where they do just renounce his rights or anything like that. There are certainly some things that would have to happen for this to play out. Now, how do I feel about the rumor? I'm very skeptical of it. I don't believe that, that, well, listen, there's a very long history of Bayern Munich and Jaden Sancho and transfer rumors and links. We've even written about Brazo going back and lamenting the fact that he could not secure Jaden Sancho. So there has clearly always been interest from Bayern Munich in the player. But right now, it doesn't feel like Bayern is in a position to go out and add a winger at the price that Sancho would command in terms of budget, salary, and what United might want in terms of a fee. So I, I can't really wrap my head around how this would work, but I do see that there's an obvious need for a fourth winger and depth because Coman, Sané, and Gnabry have not always exactly been healthy. Tuchel does not look like he plans to use Musiala as a wing. Matisse Tell has looked great at times, but I don't know if the trust is completely there from the coaching staff into him to have to roll him out in important games as a winger. So we don't know how that situation is viewed internally at Bayern Munich, but you could see conceivably how a player like Sancho would be of interest to them. I don't think that this is really going to happen. I think that Bayern would certainly talk about it. They would certainly see what they could do. And listen, if maybe, and this is a very you know slim chance, they could get a good price on him in terms of salary and transfer fee, then maybe they would think about it in January. Well, you know, if there's an injury to one of the current wingers, would they think about it? Absolutely. So I, I don't listen. I don't disbelieve there is interest from Bayern Munich and Sancho. I think there absolutely is. I just don't think it's very serious at this point. And the only way it would really spike is if there was a catastrophic injury or something wasn't clicking or Sancho just was available at such a price that it would be silly not to do the deal. So again, very skeptical of it, but there are some ways it could happen. Don't think that it will, but uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep monitoring that. There's, there's certainly some rationale to think that that Byron would pull the trigger if the situation lined up correctly. As far as the German national team goes, it, it has been a, a, a really hot topic. And that's because, of course, like we talked about last week, Hansi Flick is a bit under the gun. Uh, he, <laughs> he needs some wins. He needs this team to look good. And of course, these are just friendlies, and it's France and Japan, two very good teams. It won't be easy, but Flick needs to do something to instill confidence, not just in the team, but in the fan base. And there are ways that you can lose and still come out knowing you got better and that you can see things are headed in the right direction. So at a minimum, if Germany does lose the game, it has to be, the feeling afterwards really has to be, that was good. We didn't get the result we wanted, but we can see where this is going. Now, if you've ever played an organized sport of any 
of any type. It could be basketball, football, American football, baseball. It doesn't matter. You have been in a game which your team played well. Things were looking great. You just lost the game and you probably came out better for it. That is, I think, the apex of what Germany can look at for this break. I don't necessarily think they're going to win either game. I'm thinking they're going to have a draw with Japan and they're going to lose to France. But damn it, they're going to need to look good doing both of those. If not, Flick is absolutely going to be on the hot seat. And this lineup that is leaked, and we'll go over that now, (laughs) it might put him on the hot seat immediately. So let's take a look at this leaked lineup. It came from Build. This is reportedly what Germany used when it's when it uh, had a bit of a scrimmage against the Germany U20 side, which I believe the senior team won five nil. Uh, it was not a full game, but it was enough to where the senior team could put a little bit of a beating on the U20s. Of course, it would be Mark Andre Terstegen at goal, the center back combination Antonio Rudiger and Nicholas Sula, which in my mind should have never been broken up. Uh, Sula went from not getting the last call up to now being a starter uh, and deservedly. So, I mean, if you look at center backs in Germany, he's certainly one of the top two, depending on how you feel about Rudiger. So I'm good with them. The outside back combination is where this gets very, very interesting. On the left side, we see Nico Schlotterbeck, of course, a center back with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, I don't think he's got the mobility or the, offensive attacking ability to play left back uh, at least not the level that would be required for a national team, but okay. We'll see what flicks doing here. Uh, and on the right side, Yashua Kimmich, who of course did play that position for the national team at one point uh, we are seeing reports indicating that Kimmich could be used as an inverted right back, uh, which would allow him to be uh, a little bit more freely attacking than a, a normal right back role. Now, Right away, this rings to me as Flick disguising a back three as a back four by using Kimmich as an inverted right back. Uh, Especially when you factor in using Schlotterbeck as a left back, to me, it it reeks of a back three. And I, I kind of think that's what is going on, that this is a back three without Flick having to say it, because I think Flick is well aware that I need no name, uh, might hop on a jet and fly to both of those friendlies just to harass Flick at this point. That's how much I need no name hates a back three. He he would uproot his life to temporarily go vent his frustration at, at Flick. But either way, I, I do think that's kind of what is going on and that this would allow Kimmich to be a little bit more free-flowing as long as he was able to get back defensively once in a while, it would give that three man coverage across the back line with Schlotterbeck, Rudiger and Sula. It's very obvious to me what is going on, but maybe I'm thinking too much about it. So that's my take on it. That back four is really a back three and Kimmich is going to be free flowing in his position. Interestingly, the midfield is Ilkay Gundogan and Emery Chan. Again, this bolsters my belief that it's really a back three. Chan would be a deep sitting Defensive midfielder, Gunduan, uh would function more of an eight than anything. And Kimmich as an inverted right back would be complimenting him as also kind of an eight. So again, uh, my back three tinfoil hat theories being bolstered by the selections there. Across the front line, uh, it gets very interesting here as well. Given the injuries to Nicholas Fulkrug, Timo Werner is a little bit banged up as well. Uh, there aren't many good options at striker, so Kai Havertz gets the call. 
I honestly don't mind Havertz there when he's on at striker. He's pretty good. I don't like his new role as an offensive attacking number eight for Arsenal. I don't think it fits him well, but it's not really my problem for, you know, 10 months of the year. It's just the two months that uh, combined two months that we have to cover the international breaks. Uh, so Havertz, you know, I guess you live with that for right now. The wings would be Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané. Uh, good with this. I, I, listen, Sané and Gnabry are both excellent players. It's tough to argue that they should not be starting at, at wingers for uh, Germany. The, I'm very interested to see how this works. I, I'm Like I said, I'm not fully convinced uh, of anything with this formation. It does not seem like a tra- traditional or conventional 4-2-3-1 to me, given the personnel. But, uh, you know, which means that Gnabry and Sané I mean, one of them could be lying up as a wing back. I think Flick is probably overthinking this, but who knows? Maybe I'm overthinking this. But those two, it's tough to argue that they should not be in the starting 11. The 10 would be Florian Verts. And we, of course, we would think that this is a position that Jamal Musiala would be in. We will uh, touch on Musiala in our final segment. But Verts, uh, he's getting the opportunity. He has not done well with Germany. He has not been good under Flick for the German national team. I don't know why. I don't know if it's anxiety. I don't know if it's just a different environment. I don't know why his performances for Germany have not been as good as his performances with Bayer Leverkusen. I'm very interested to see how he handles it. He is a dynamic player, a game-changing player, someone who can alter a contest with his presence and his vision and his ability to attack uh, and withstand the beating of that central position there at the attacking midfield. Verts is certainly one of Germany's best overall players, but he's got to actually show it for the German national team. He can't continue to kind of hide in the shadows like he has done in his previous appearances. So I like some of what I see here and I don't want to get into, you know, who should be playing where, who I would pull off the bench to play certain positions. Uh, I don't have a problem with Flick picking this eleven. I just don't believe the graphic that was that was put out there to make this a 4-2-3-1. I just don't believe it. I don't know if it's some kind of 3-4-3. I don't know if it's some kind of convoluted 3-4-2-1. I don't know. What I do know is that when I see three members of the back line being Schlotterbeck, Rudiger, and Sula, it's lipstick on a pig because, and listen, there's, that's not a fat joke on anybody. Trust me, it's not. But it's lipstick on a pig because there's no way that that I can't even process that Flick would roll Schlotterback out there as a left back. If anything, Schlotterback has struggled with quickness in terms of defending quick players. He seems to take bad body positioning. He takes bad angles. And he simply is just not as fast as a lot of attackers. So putting him out there on an island at left back leads me to think that this this lineup graphic that we saw is not actually how it's going to play out again would love to hear your feedback on this because everybody's got an opinion on who should start what formation they should use but this one i'm very intrigued to see what it looks like i just don't know that it's going to get hansi flick the results that he needs even in a loss i don't know if it's going to put forth like us thinking that was a hell of an effort that looked good i don't care that they lost They looked great in attacking. They controlled the ball. It was a couple of unlucky opportunities that went in. I don't think we're going to come out of that with this, come out of this with that kind of thinking. I I think Germany's probably going to struggle. And 
if they do, this could be a very difficult period for Hansi Flick. Finally, the last thing we're going to touch on, and it was some very unfortunate news coming out of Sabiner Strasse, and that's that Jamal Musiala is apparently battling some back problems now after a hamstring issue. If you've ever had back problems, you would know why the minute you hear that, it should be concerning. I've told this story before. I injured my back. I it was just when I was out of college. So I was probably around 22 or 23. And I have lived in pain every day of my life since then. So yes, that's probably overreacting uh, to, to this news about Jamal Musiala. But whenever I hear a back injury, I automatically think the worst, mostly because I have had days where I've had to do a chin up to get out of my car because I, I can't get out. Uh, and you know, when you have a, a back with spasms and you lock up, you literally, you can't move. So, uh, I worry that Jamal Musiala, I, I, I listen, I hope it's nothing serious like that, but anytime I hear back, I do get concerned and considering he was just coming off of a hamstring injury and how linked, uh, any of the core muscles can be, whether it's your abdomen whether you talk about the upper parts of your legs, like hamstring and quad, and then your back, uh, anything in that area, it could be concerning because if they become interconnected, the problems persist with both. It, it can be a, a long recovery process. And Musiala, in my mind, um, the downtime for him isn't the worst. I don't think he's been performing at his best. So uh, some time to reboot and recharge himself, I think is is okay. Making sure he gets fully healthy is 100% okay. I, I see no need to rush him back. You have, for the, the German national team, you have Florian Wirtz, you have Thomas Muller. At Bayern Munich, you have Thomas Muller, you have anybody really that, that Tuchel wants to stick in there. You have plenty of options that can play behind Harry Kane. Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sané, they can all do it. So there's no need for this kid to be rushed back. He should absolutely take his time. And it's not just about his physical health, which certainly is at the forefront of this, but his mental health as well, because it has been a grind for Musiala. He has not been at his best since the World Cup last year, where he really struggled. And since that point, it's been roughly eight months of up and down performances, uh, bad decisions on the field, forcing things. I think the kid needs a reboot, a recharge. Hopefully this helps him get there. I don't know if it will. I don't know if anybody at the club is concerned like I am about Musiala's performances because I don't think they've been great. Uh, what we saw the first half in the Hinrunda of last season, was uh, it was unbelievable. He was excellent. But something happened at that World Cup, and whether it was mental, physical, or a combination of both, he has not been the same player. And by all means, Bayern Munich should do whatever it needs to to get him right, and that includes giving him a little bit longer time to rest rehab, not just his hamstring, not just his back, but also his mental well-being as well. I think he needs that and it would help him in the long run achieve those heights that we all know that he can get to. So Jamal Musiala still banged up. Uh, who knows when he'll be back, but he is certainly a player that both Bayern Munich and Germany would love to see in a kit soon enough. That'll about do it for this episode of the weekend warm-up. Appreciate you hanging in there. The schedule for this week of podcasts will be a little bit altered just because of Germany's schedule. So I believe the flagship show will come out a little bit earlier and uh, we'll see how things go with the post games and all that, because it is kind of 
uh, a difficult situation to keep our normal schedule and then manage covering the games without uh, pushing out just too much content for you guys to absorb. So uh, bear in mind with that, you might see some different times and some different release dates for the podcasts in our network. Uh, as always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. Get all of our wonderful and talented podcasters and writers at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We will be covering all of the Germany action. We will be still all over Bayern Munich news, and we cannot wait until Bayern versus Leverkusen next weekend, next Friday. That should be a great one. Uh, have a couple of beers on me this weekend and we will see you next time.